You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Bracha, Marever Rabbatai. We're here on the eve of Yom Yerushalayim, and our, our esteemed guest, it's already Yom Yerushalayim, it's already Yom Yerushalayim, I, I assume close to it, uh, for our esteemed guest, Rav Hagoyin, Rav Shalom, the Yeshev Reish of Tzohar, Rav David Stav. And he has agreed very graciously uh, to give, to spend time with us, being Maspid, one of the true intellectual giants of the generation, uh, an onov and a tzaddik in, in many ways. Uh, as I wrote in the, introdu- uh, in the in- introduction to everyone to come, uh, a Pesach Muvak, and I believe probably one of the most important um, writers of the Rambam, on the Rambam in our, in our day, in terms of understanding the das of what the Rambam really meant. Rav Nochem, Rav Agoyin, Rav Nochem, And uh, I know Rav David worked with Rav Benovich in, in a, an intimate manner, spoke with him, understood him. And when I realized that these last couple of weeks, I wanted to share with our Oilam and to the greater Oilam who are on our podcast, the ability to know who, what, who we've lost. Now, I don't know if Rav Nocham Rabinovich was a victim of, of, of the COVID virus or not. I don't know enough of the details. But I think this is a period, especially according to the shittas of the Rishonim, of the, who, who tell us that there was actually Petiris uh, during the whole period of the Zman between Pesach and between Pesach and Atzeres, that that the Petiris happened during that whole Zman. This is a, a, a Zman Roy, not only to be Marech, the Petiris of the Talmud Rabbi Akiva, but also ones who have passed away now. And especially since it's only two weeks since the, the, the Rosh Hashiva's Ptira, I thought it would be extremely important uh, to have someone who knew Rav Rabinovich be Masbidim. So, Rav David, if you could share with us a uh, Harocha, a Hespid, and give us a, 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 a to, to bring the, 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 the Tmuna of Rav Rabinovich to us. To the Olam, so we should understand what we've lost. So, Reb David, please. Okay, thank you so much, Rav Kivilevich, my Chavrusa from Neris Royal. Uh, more than 50, 45 years ago, <laughs> that you still remember me from time to time. It's um, um, it's a big privilege for me to share with you some thoughts and ideas that I've heard and I've learned from uh, Rav Rabinovich, Rav Nachum Eliezer Rabinovich. I'm not going to describe his, um, his knowledge because I'm not the, I don't have the tools to, da- to judge um, and to measure his godless and to see whether it was this a bigger or, or smaller scholar than others. It's enough for us what we know that... Uh, a man that wrote a parish on the entire Rambam means that he read 
hundreds of times the Rambam before he gave this parish. And I guess that uh, hundreds and thousands of articles that he has given on different issues show his greatness. And I don't have to, uh, to compare him to others. I heard in the aspect of his son that he said, he quoted Rabbi Henkin from the United States, that more than 60 years ago, he was asked by one of his Talmidim, when you're going to pass away, who will replace you? What will, who will take care of the American Jewry? And uh, Rav Hankin's answer was, why are you concerned? We have Rav Rabinovich with us, and he will be the Mamshik. So Rab, 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 Rabinovich, and that time was relatively young. He was about 40 years old, maybe less. And yet, Rav Henkin admired him and said to himself, by the way, if you read the, he, he uh, has a Shilas and Chuvis with Moshe Feinstein in Igrot Moshe. Also, he quotes him and he relates to him as a very important scholar, which means, again, more than 50 years ago, Moshe respected, um, respected Rav Rabinovich as one of the Gdoilim in America. But that's not my, uh, that's not what I wanted to share with you. I wanted to share with you three or four stories, but the stories is not just stories. The stories, each one of them is a kind of a shiur, a kind of a class about an idea and approach to, um, to halacha um, and to menshkite, maybe more, more than to regular halacha. So the first issue is the issue of conversion. Rav Rabinovich, and that what uh, connected us recently in the last couple of years, you know, when people arrive to, uh, I have never arrived to that age, but I assume that Bezvat Hashem, if Hashem gives me strength and I will arrive to the age of 85 and 86 and 87, I guess I would like to learn if I would be in a position that enables me to do that. I would love to talk to my grandchildren, maybe to play with them, maybe to play with my great-grandchildren. I guess that the last thing I would be ready to do is to go to a struggle against the chief rabbinate and against the entire world on something that is important for me, but yet in my age, it's not something that I'm going to fight with the entire world for. And that's exactly what Robert Binowitz was doing. I mean, to establish an independent, private system of rabbinic courts to convert minors because he believed that it's a crime against the Russian immigrants that the rabbinate does not embrace them and does not encourage them to convert. He believed it's a crime. And since that was his belief, he called me and he called a few other rabbis and urged us, please join me and open a new system of rabbinic court. And when the Zionist people started to say, wait a minute, it's against the kingdom. It's against the chief rabbinate. He said, what do you think? And he quoted the Gemara in Masechet Shabbos. What do you think? When Hillel and Shammai existed, and it was in the time of the second temple, and it was in the time of Sanhedrin. We don't expect that the new that the, the new Besmikdash when it will be rebuilt, it will be better than that. And yet, 
there was a dispute between Hillel and Shammai to convert that guy that wanted to convert. And Hillel agreed and Shammai refused. And nobody said, how come he, there is no one standard of conversion that the entire Sanhedrin should agree upon? It never, and he said it never existed. It never existed in Jewish life that there should be one position and one based in that will behave as a gatekeeper for the Jewish people. And this will be the gate, the only gate the Jews enter to the, uh, to the Jewish nation. So that's one issue of converting. If I will focus on that a bit more, he said, there is a big dispute between the rabbis, whether it's a schus, in order to convert minors, it has, we have to assume that it's a privilege to be Jewish. There is a big dispute among the rabbis whether if a minor converts and you are not sure if he will be observant or not, is it considered to be, is it considered to be a privilege or not? Because if you are a guy or somebody that will grow up as a secular guy, and will violate the prohibitions of Shabbat and Kashrut and Taras HaMishpacha, etc., etc. So then, maybe it's not a privilege for them. And and so there's a big machloikis about that. By the way, Ramoshi Feinstein says that it's be a weakened Jew rather than to be to remain non-Jewish. But um, I leave this aside. Rav Rabinovich said the entire machloket could apply, could apply, could apply only to Chutzlarz. But in Eretz Israel, there is no doubt that it's a privilege, even if you remain non non observant. Why? To be Jewish in Israel, it means to be like the rest of your friends in the class. Excuse me, Rab David, if we could, ju- yeah, I would also I, ask Amanda uh, if yeah, if we could just please mute. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm sorry, Rab David. <laughs> so he said, no, in Israel, it's a privilege to be Jewish. Even if, according to the positions that it's, that it's not a privilege to be Jew if you're not observant, but here, of course, it's a privilege. Why? Because every kid wants to look like the rest of the class. Every kid wants to celebrate Bar Mitzvah if 90% of the kids are celebrating Bar Mitzvah. So even though, even though it's not objective schus, but for the kid, he believes it's a schus, and therefore insisted to convert minors. So that's one story and one idea that uh, I want to share with you. I will not be marich. I will speak shortly, but uh, I want to share with you another story. I um, I was privileged to receive an askoma from Rabinovich on a book that I wrote. Its, its name is Ben Asmani. It deals with all the matters of uh, leisure time. Now, if you can imagine, as you can, you can imagine, it's a kind of a sensitive topic. Is it allowed to go to movies, to go to uh, to watch uh, football or soccer, to go to theaters, to museums, etc., etc.? The entire issue of leisure time is something that for Jews and observant Jews that were raised on the idea that Torah is the only thing that you should dedicate your life for, if, you're not, if you don't go to work, 
in the time you don't go to work and that there is no actually leisure time in Judaism, it was a kind of a revolution to write such a book. And as a matter of fact, it was controversial. There, was, there were a lot of rabbis, especially among the right-wing rabbis, that uh, didn't like the book. When I came to him and I asked him for a scholar, he, he took the Ktav Yad, he took the, um, the draft, and he, he read it over. And then a few weeks later, I come back to him and ask him if he can write me an Ascom. And he says, no. So I asked him why. So, so he says to me, but with no, with no um, um, makeup. I mean, it was very original. I see no chidush in the Sefer. When I give an Ascom, it has to be something, something said, something new. But you, you were not mechadish anything. Everything is so simple that I don't understand why should I give an askama. It's like to give an askama to the Shukhanor. I mean, it's, everything that you write is so obvious, you don't need any uh, uh, recommendation or uh, approval on this book. He said, please, Rabinovich, I know my people in Israel. Trust me. I know them better than you do. I can assume how many criticism I will get afterwards Please, I want your scammer. You can write that there is no chiddush there. You could you could write whatever you want, and and he gave a very nice scammer. So that's the second. He, he so it, it was so it was so clear for him that human beings need to have leisure time, and he didn't understand that um, in Israel at least it was not uh, accepted as a common idea. Number three, and that's a very um, a serious story, but it's uh, it's it's much more than a serious story. It's an approach in life. I had a very very difficult question from a couple, a very very firm couple, that the woman worked as a doctor in a hospital, and a married woman with five children, and uh, she she had. Uh, sexual relationship with one of the doctors in that hospital. And of course she regretted and she uh, she understood that it was terrible and she, that it was not proper, etc., etc. And she wanted to, and she told right away her husband that, um, that that's what happened. And... Um, they agreed, although they belong to the right wing, that usually does not come to me with questions, uh, but they agreed to call me because they understood that if we consult with other rabbis, the chance that he would be matter back to her husband is uh, is almost not possible. So she she called me, they called me, and uh, I said to them, look, it's a very, very complicated question. And I want to consult with Rav Rabinovich. Um, and I called Rav Rabinovich and he said to me, now there were two stories. Like this one with a doctor, one somebody else. Um, t- two different stories. In one of the stories, and that's what is important for me, he says to me, does she have children? And I said, yes. So he says, look, I can tell you already what should be your answer. And now go and work hard to make it happen. 
you cannot destroy and to ruin the children's lives because of her stupidity. Now, come and, come and look after a way how to be martyred. I wrote a whole tshuva on that. And I, I, I gave five reasons to be martyred, this woman, to her husband. And I, I sent him the tshuva to, to read. And he said to me afterwards, look, I agree to everybody, to everything you said. But if she was not married with five children, I would, I would not agree to this letter. This letter applies only because of the tragedy that will happen to the children if the, if the couple will not continue to live together. And the, the husband that was actually a shiva boy in Koilel, and he was shocked. And he called me maybe five, five times. It was in the summertime. Until Erev Yom Kippur, he didn't stop bothering me. Am I sure? Am I definite? Am I confident about the psak? And I said to him, look, I want you to, I, I want to be frank with you. And I not consulted with Rav Rabinovich that says you should be mad to her. I'm not sure I would do that. But that's what Rav Rabinovich told me to do. So I, I found the five branches of Hatter. The fourth story, I think, is something that um, should uh, give us a kind of uh, a direction and uh, insight for behavior in life. Rabbi Benovich was, just like Tzohar rabbis, he was very precise. When he came to a wedding, he always arrived before time, a long time before time. Because he said the chassan doesn't have to to be anxious because of of the rav, because of the rav that is misavik kedushin. The rabbi should be the first one to come. Now, having said that, there was a story that the girl, one of uh, in one of the cases, a bride, had a mistake in counting the days, and she had to go to the mikveh in the night, in the evening of the wedding. This meant that if the wedding was supposed to start one or two hours after sunset, it couldn't be there because until she'll come back from the mikveh and she'll, she will make her hair, etc., etc., it will be impossible. Um, so they came to Rav Avinovich and said, asked him, what can we do? So he said, I will come hour late after the planned time, the original time, that was uh, the wedding was supposed to take place. And when you when people ask where is the Kale, you will answer Rav Rabinovich announced that he will be late. And therefore the Kale is not here yet because she doesn't want to spend the two two hours in the hall waiting to Rav Rabinovich. And the entire criticism was directed to him. Because he came late. Because he didn't tell anybody, he didn't tell nobody why he came late. But he and the family knew exactly how by his coming late, he actually saved the dignity of this bride. And if you want 
to listen to me. And I'm, Rav Kivelevich will tell you that I'm a grandson of a very famous Rebbe, that his miracles are all over the world. But for me, this is the biggest miracle that I heard about Rav Rabinovich, that he was ready to accept all the criticism on him to save the dignity, to help a Kala from being embarrassed. And if you want to know, that's the entire Torah on one foot. The foot or the fit of Rav, Rav Nachum Rabinovich. I think for tonight it's, an, it's enough, Rav Kivilevich. David, I just want to, uh, you know, as we call this the Chuvas and Paiskim Shir, and uh, it was beautiful. The stories uh, really were Martit et Salev. I want to ask just a can I ask you a couple of questions? First of all, you know, we have, we have Tamir Chachamim that are going to listen, that are listening now and will listen later. Could you tell us one of the snippim you had to be Mako on the, this Ashish Ish that was Mizana seemingly? What, can you give us at least one of the smarters? You know, it's it's like it's not fair, Rivdovet. You know, <laughs> no, no, it's okay, it's fine. But what were some of this? Or you can send me. I, I definitely want to see the chuva. Please send it to me as a PDF. But I'd also like to hear, and I think I, I, I even want to know what were some of the stories you had to be mako in that case. Okay, first of all, the Ramor says that the husband is not allowed to trust his wife that the story is true. Because we suspect that she could make up a story in order, as the Gemara says, And therefore, the husband is not, according to several shittas, is not allowed to trust her. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, the Shoel and Meishiv says that in order to be prohibited on the husband, she should be, it the the mice should be done in front of two eighty, which definitely did not were not there in that in that story, and there are yep. a third sniff was that it was done with say um, hmm? it's all right we have people that understand oh, I, I, I forgot it. the word in Ivrit no onus she got on. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, um, Zugan Yiddish. Zugan Yiddish. <laughs> no, the. It's all right, Rabbi A minute, a minute. Aviva. It was done with condom, no? Oh, the condom. Okay. In other words, the, so in other words, this was the. It wasn't a bias iser. You wanted to tie it wasn't a bias iser because it wasn't necessarily each a gemara bias. Each one of the branch, as I said, each one of the branches yeah. <laughs> would not stand for itself. Yeah. And as Rabinovich said, the, all the five wouldn't stand for themselves if they were not, if it was not in these under this Ivaldic. special circumstances. Yeah, that this right. Yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. The other thing I wanted to ask you, um, I've done a, I've been spending the last week giving shiurim from Reverend Benovich's forum, um, from the Hoder Itmar, Hoder Itamar, and from the um, from Siach Nochum, and from other articles, and from the Yad Pshuta. What I was wondering is, isn't it a shtikel a chiddush that here was a man he came to Eretz Yisrael, he was already. 
Uh, he was born 1928. So he came to Eretz Yisrael in, what was it, in the 90s? He came to Eretz Yisrael. He was close he to... He came to Eretz Yisrael, no, in the 80s. In the 80s. So he was already in his 60s, um, an American, uh, a Canadian actually originally, uh, spent years, of course, in Charleston and in Toronto. What Did you find that, uh, that it was interesting that a person who was an American rabbi was able to get acceptance in the highest echelons of, of the Dati Lumi world? It's not so easy. I know he, he wrote beautifully. He had, a, he had a beautiful style. He wrote Ivrit beautifully even when he was young. But it's interesting that he was able to, 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 to make waves among the, that the Eretz Yisrael Tika Hever should be Makabum as a Paisik. What was it about him? Well, that, first that... of all, I don't want to deny it wasn't charismatic at all. And uh, I won't tell you that people uh, loved uh, that when he came and said at Russia, people loved to hear. It wasn't charismatic. Uh, you know, I would share with you another anecdote. I have a lot of anecdotes with him, but one of the anecdotes my son learned in his yeshiva. And when my son learned, he wrote, um, he was in charge on writing, on publishing every week um, an article in Alakha, uh, for the boys that are in the army, for the yeshiva boys. So, um, and every week he had 10, 20 minutes from Brengen with Rav Rabinovich that read what he, what he wrote and he gave his comment what he wrote. One day he comes over to him and he says, he brings a, a lot, he quotes the Mishnibura that says that if somebody goes, enters the uh, bathroom, he should uh, wash his hands afterwards. And because of bad spirits that are there in, in the bathroom, so he, he said to him, you should erase this. So he says to him, why should I erase it? It's written in the Mishnah Bure. So he says, it's Loshanore on the Mishnah Bure to say that he believed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Now, <laughs> you understand that? Yeah. Now, for these ways, this kind of, <laughs> of approach was something out of the blue. I mean, no, nobody knew this, that such a Ashkofe, such an approach existed. But yet, we had a tremendous respect for his uh, knowledge and for his Iracha mind. And we understood that there is what we call a, a calm charisma, a silent charisma. It's not a, it's not a charisma of a, the greatest speaker. It's a charisma of somebody that is a big scholar. And uh, in Israel, you can say whatever you want, but... We admire big scholars. We don't admire big speakers. <laughs> Good. We admire scholars. I, I, just two other points on that. Um, you know, we, we, we know in Eretz Yisrael, uh, I, I gave a hesped last week on the Novominsker, and I mentioned that the Novominsker felt that what we have in America, although there's a lot of period Lvovos, there is more unit. There is more talking between the different camps than there is in Eretz Yisrael. There's much more polarization in Eretz Yisrael. But we all know in the Olam of Torah, there shouldn't really be that polarization when you get on that high level of learning. As far as you know, did Rabbanovich have a yachas with any of the other poskim in Eretz Yisrael? For example, uh, Rav Vosner, 
Revel Yoshev, Reflam Zalman. Did he have? Uh, uh, was he involved with them at all? Was he was was w- w- did, because it would seem natural his yachas to Rav Ruderman, to Rav Henkin, uh that you mentioned to Rav Moshe. Did that did that happen in Eretzel? Did he become? Did he, was he able to not only become a Rosh Hashiva, Was he able to at least be misochech with the the, the Tamid Chachamim on his level? Or as far as not know. that I know, not that I know. From the story, again, I'm saying what I know. I never heard about his connections with Rabonim. For instance, when you when you talk about Rav Lichtenstein, we know that when Rav Lichtenstein arrived to Yerushalayim, he fell in love with uh, Rav Moshe Fein. With Rav Shlomo Zalman, hey, you hear me? Yes, I do. I do hear you. Yes, because I don't see you. I guess something is wrong. Um, Rav Lichtenstein fell in love with Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach and uh, had very good connections with him. I cannot say this about Rav, Rav Rabinovich. I, I don't think that he had a, a deep connections with them, but I don't want to say something uh-huh. that I'm not sure about. Yeah. Well, you definitely see again. I, I know some of the, his talmidim uh, when they when they've extolled his derech apsak, and you can see it's a little bit of a dig to Chacham Avadi and others that he does not. He's not megavev the shitas. Uh, he was someone who basically his derech and psak. He's very mitzumtzum in what he brings down, and he brings the down tzumzach. So I, I can understand why he wasn't necessarily included in some ways. But it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me about uh, uh, whether, because I have this utopian idea that when you're on that level, of course you become connected uh, in halacha, as he was here. As he was here. One thing I just want to add. One thing, Reb David, if you could agree with me on this. What I've noticed is his incredible use of midrashim and makiris of halacha, makiris of chazal, to be mashpia on his psokim. In other words, he did research that any scholar would do. But, he, but, but his discovery of the scholar was able to find Yisoyed and Halacha, his scholarship in, 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 in Midrashic research. We just had a, a psak yesterday about separating milk and meat for small children. Whether you have to be makbid when it comes to small children, uh, separating hours of uh, separating milk and meat, and he found this psikta rabasi to Rabkana with uh, Mayor uh, Mayor Ishalom's edition, <laughs> and because over there it says that when the tinoikos would go out of the base of Sefer, they would that this was the Kaddish Parachus against the Malachim because the Malachim didn't want Klaistro to get the Torah, so Kaddish Baruch Hu upbraided them by by mentioning the fact that they were. Look, even the small children of Kal Yisrael, when they leave the Beis Sefer, they wash their hands between uh-huh. between milk and meat. So he was able with that to be machria, that all you need for a child, even when he's already going to school, all he needs to do is wash his hands, the most to brush his teeth. So I thought that was an incredible chop, an incredible chop to be able to come up with a to, to use this uh, a medrash a tzvarfina medrash he was able to use it in, in a very incisive way. You're 100% incise way. right. You're 100% right, but it's even more than that. I mean, it's not only, you know, a, a medrash from Heckveld, but it's also, he could, since he admired the Rambam, uh, and he said in Rabbeinu Hananel, and this uh, group of rabbis, 
He believed that this is the actually original halacha, and that's what we are committed to, and that's that's what counted by him. And he didn't care about others. I will tell you another and last question, and last story. I had a question from Copenhagen. A shul. If you have two minutes, and I will finish. Okay. Yes. I, I, David, I would keep you here all night, just like we okay, did in Houston. But, <laughs> just like we did in Houston. So, <laughs> so, so the story is like the, the, there is a shul in, in Copenhagen, and the rabbi there asked me, uh, he could he could do all the oilem, the mitpalim, until a few minutes after Chtsoisayom, after uh, midday. He could not wait six and a half hours, which is the time for Mincha. And he says to me, look, if I will tell them that they are not allowed to daven Mincha, so then nobody will come back to shul in the afternoon, and most probably most of them will not daven Mincha. Can I daven with them Mincha after Chatzois, before six and a half hours? It's a big machloikis between the Achroinim, Rebchaim Kanievsky says it's prohibited and you are not yoitze even with the event. The question is, because originally the time of Mincha is after six hours, but Chachomim wanted to say that it's six and a half because they were afraid that people will not uh, know exactly the time. And the question is whether the establishment of Chachomim is me'akev b'dyeved or not. So I came to Rav Rabinovich with this question and he says, he gave me a yesod, a yesod in psak and actually a yesod in, in life. He said to me, look, there is a machlokis if b'dyeved is good or not good. Wherever you see that it's a need of a tzibur, it's considered b'dyeved. And that's an example for is way of looking in life and actually a new definition for B'dyevet. Usually we say B'dyevet that after you were doing something, well, were you Yoitze or not? But he said, if you see that there is a need, it's considered B'dyevet. One last thing. Let me just be messiah with one last thing, Reb David. Uh, just uh, to, uh, and thank Please, you again. Go ahead, go. Last... I cannot see your face, and that's okay. Really you can't see okay. my face. I wish you could, but um, <laughs> I don't know how I can make you see me. But I'll try to. Uh, this is a a, a medrash that Rabinovich uh, brought to the Bismedrish. Uh, his one of his talmidim, uh, Lord Jonathan Sachs, quotes him by Noach. When Noach was told Vayadaber, uh, the first time it says Vayadaber in the Torah, Vayadaber Hashem El Noach, say Minateva. So Rav uh, Rabinovich quoted the, the Medrash Tanchuma Buber, uh, which actually, it's interesting, uh, 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 Menachem Kasher does not bring this in the Torah Shlema, but it's in, Buber, it's in the Buber Tanchuma. And there it says, at, uh, Rabbi Yudha, uh, the, the Medrash says that HaKadosh Baruch says, you need Rishus. I got to give you Rishus. You take a look outside, you can see everything is dry. You already sent the, uh, you already sent the, the Yaina, you're sitting there waiting. He says, if I would have been there, I would have been and I would have gone out. So Rabbi Vinovich brought a raya from there that when you see, you have to build up a belt, you have to change the world. You don't wait for the tzivui from the Rabbi When you realize what has to be done and you can see with your what you have to do, you go out and you're shaver the delis of the teva and you go out to be mesaka the belt. We should be able 
to, to be Makayim, that type of Anhoga, I'll be Dos, I'll be Din, I'll be Maseris Yisrael, <laughs> because we, we're, we're in the Teva right now, and we got to go out there, and Mir Tashem, be Masak in the Velt, and Aguta Oifen. Reb David, thank you so much. You know, You're this very is going to be... welcome. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom to Reb David. Thank you so much, Trevor, for being part of this today. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.